You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. I'm Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. Wes brings the quality. And Jesse brings a cafe. What are we talking about today? Colombian coffee and the output. It looks like, according to agrimoney.com, Colombian coffee is projected to have their first dip in five years. When you're saying dip, that makes me think of like my grandfather dipping. Chewing tobacco. So what on earth are you talking about? I'm talking about the 13.5 million bags this season that is going to see decline in the next harvest. Colombia is pretty popular right now. It's very popular. Who if do we know in Colombia? El... We've got our homeboys there, La Palma, La Palma I'm like, El like, Tucan. I like started. <laughs> Dude, those guys are right in the heart of Colombia. And it looks like, according to Mike Verdin and the Colombian Coffee uh, Bureau, that we are going to see some decline. Well, let me... Na- okay, naturally, I have to ask you, what is causing this to decline? I'm not going to ask you from a washed perspective but from a natural inclination of my my brain well it appears to be the potential weather setbacks that is going to play effects on some labor shortage but more importantly i want to focus in on the potential weather setbacks so this season uh, the colombian coffee output will hit 13.6 million bags the highest it's been in 23 years This represents a sharp recovery from the harvest of 2011-2012, which only had a mere 7.6 million bags. However, production is expected to ease in the uh, harvest of 2016-2017 to a 13.3 million output. Uh, It's a small decrease, but a decrease nonetheless. We've got Colombian officials that remain cautious on the matter. Sure. Factors contributing to the Colombian output decline would be the switching from El Nino to La Nina. For now, those... Oh, I was just going to interject and say, you know, do those two things confuse me at all? Yeah, they do. Sure. If they don't confuse you, I'm happy that you've done your research, but I don't know the difference. Well, let me tell you. El Nino and La Nina are weather uh, forecasts or weather seasons that affect uh, industrial trade. We've got El Nino, which is the dry season and can cause severe droughts across the land, which can last for many months. And we've got La Nina, which is the wet season, which can cause heavy rains and flooding. Now, it appears that the Department of Agriculture Bureau in Bogota said that coffee farmers and Colombian government officials remain cautious about the lingering effects from El Nino on the harvest and the potential of heavy rains later in 2016 due to La Nina. El Nino, the warmer, drier weather, which can cause severe drought, was one of the three strongest on record generating the hottest global temperatures in more than 130 years. 
That is a dry, dry season, folks. So we just to emphasize this is record-breaking sort of temperatures um, affecting. I mean, how large of a of a landmass? Oh, of- it is affecting a, um, the majority of all the coffee-producing regions. Now, I can't. I can't tell you for sure if this is reliable, but my roommate told me India was being affected by... India is being affected, uh, Indonesia, um, Colombia, as we can see here. Uh, essentially, it, it is, it's drying up the ground and it causes plants to uh, stress for survival. But we've seen that weather watchers are now awaiting La Nina which is a cooling of the tropical Pacific and sometimes thought as El Nino's opposite. Interesting. So we can see how Colombian's output could potentially be affected by the heavy rains of La Nina. And we are sure that it's going to, that we're going to see the effects on other producing countries. Now, if, if you are a listener from Colombia and you are listening to this podcast, we would love for you to uh, hit us up and let us know, what do you do to prepare for these sorts of things? Mm-hmm. You know, we have the the benefit of being able to know, hey, this is on its way. What should we think of as, from a farmer's perspective, what are they preparing for? How are they preparing for it? Um, sure. These things really, really draw a lot of questions out of my mind because if you're a coffee farmer, you've really invested in that crop. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do in these situations? you know uh <laughs> we can yeah. see yeah absolutely. i can i can cut and paste <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but what you know th- these are serious questions absolutely and la nina uh, brings heavy rains which can cause flooding uh, and flooding can ruin crops destroy mills and decrease arabica cherry yields uh, just last year la nina swept away an entire mill and drying station in Indonesia. Can you imagine the setback of that year's harvest when all of your coffee laying out on drying beds just gets washed away from heavy flooding? That, yeah, I mean, that that's a nightmare. That is... Absolutely, and think about it. We've had one of the top three El Ninos in, what did I say, 23 years? I mean, 130 years. My, yeah, my, I was I'm mistaken. A long time. And what happens when, when there's a severe drought? Well, the, the ground gets very hard. So when you have these rapid flash floods of, or heavy rains, it can cause flash flooding, which is devastating uh, to producing mills and uh, drying stations, washing stations, and so forth. All of which can play a part in coffee as a commodity. Uh, if we see stark declines in coffee output, that may be an indication that current future levels, that the prices will go up, meaning roasters will be paying more money per pound for their usual quality. Which, you know, depending on that, the relationship they have with those Columbia farms could mean direct trade. Hey, prices isn't really going to change. It could be Colombia. Could, could be, be good. Indonesia. Like that's when direct trade contracts and those sorts of things are good for the farmer because, well, the prices aren't changing. Well, that's more of a quality thing. How, yeah. I mean, how? Let's ask the question. How is this going to affect um, the coffee shop? We might not see implications affecting the coffee shop. 
But we'll definitely see implications on roasters mm-hmm. who want to. Uh, green coffee COVID. buyers are going to see it. Uh, exporters are going to see see this. Uh, importers are going to see this. As, yeah, you're going to have to look at at quality as an issue too, um, because you're going from very dry season to very wet. So, uh, coffee that is being stored in parchment might have moisture issues, which could cause defects in the cup. So your quality could perhaps go down. You know, with I, the weather changes, I'm going to reach out uh, to La Palma and see if they can give us some insight on this. That would be great. I would love to hear more on that. So let's move on to the second topic. Something I think is quite applicable to a majority of our listeners here. That's great. Um, so let me break out a term here. Uh, NC. DT. Does that ring any bells? NCDT. NCDT. What does that stand for? Uh, yeah, Not um, nicotine, cool enough uh, to drink <laughs> Cool tea? enough to drink tea? It could stand for that, <laughs> but in this, in this case, it does not. So uh, NCDT stands for National Coffee Drinking Trends. It's uh. a report released by the National Coffee Association. You have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helpful if you have this, you know, to predict market the market or the next uh, the future for how you're going to... No, consuming trends are highly important. Yeah, thank you for taking the words out of my not mouth because they weren't there because I was just stumbling. (laughs) So now on their website, the NCA states that this document is for, quote, average daily consumption, Yes. how, where, and when coffee is consumed, how often coffee is consumed, what factors limit or encourage consumption, end quote. So that's kind of their like bullet note version of, hey, that's what this thing's about. So already you can kind of tell this would be extremely helpful if I, A, owned a coffee business, B, owned a uh, coffee roaster, or anything like that. So JAB would have this document and say, what a nice document to have. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't know who (laughs) JAB is, go back and listen to our JAB episodes. Yeah. Um, So... In an article uh, about this very thing, Nick Brown, editorial director of Daily Coffee News, highlights some interesting details about the information provided by the National Coffee Association. Uh, He says, quote, the NCA focuses a lot more on the M word. What's the M word? Millennials. The group of younger buyers considered by many market researchers as forever changing the way coffee shall be viewed, purchased, and consumed. Now, can that be quoted? (laughs) Can that be backed? It's like I just quoted it. <laughs> Can it be backed? Absolutely, it's forever backed. changing the way coffee shall be viewed. Okay, so purchased Nick, and consumed. Nick took a little bit of, you know, what he saw from the reports, and he made this argument. Ah. And what is important uh, here is well, something I will unravel for you. So what we're seeing is is uh, a change in what you just mentioned above. The NCDT, National Coffee Drinking Trends. Not cool to... Oh, yes. Yeah, not cool to drink tea. To drink tea. NCDT, National Coffee Drinking Trends, are being forever changed they by are, these M-word millennials? The millennials, what Nick is seeming to say, I mean, he directly says the millennials are forever changing the way coffee shall be viewed, purchased, and consumed. I believe this is true, and why this is important Mm. is um, because it's an incredible concept for all the pieces of the chain uh, that is thinking about coffee in light of what generation of people are driving the demand of coffee and what kind of coffee they want. And overwhelmingly, it seems like 
they want what is considered gourmet coffee. Now we're not getting What's into that gourmet right now. Coffee? Not getting into it okay. yet. Uh, so who are millennials? Um, well, according to the NCDT report, you can identify these people with one question. What's that? Backstreet Boys are in sync. No, Nickelodeon <laughs> or Cartoon Network. MTV. MTV. Yeah. What? What is a TV? MTV. <laughs> We're not that far ahead. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't say that. But the idea, you, you know, if you're a millennial, and if if you don't know if you're a millennial, you can quickly find out. You probably aren't a millennial. You probably because <laughs> millennials are proud to be millennials. Yeah. Uh, so we live in an age where Spider-Man is too young to relate intimately with Star Wars, and mm. that's just a side note to say, hey, go see that new Captain America movie. Did you see it? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um. Anyway, super sidetrack. What is my point? My point is this. In order to have a successful business or to be successful in any industry, you need to ask yourself the, self the question, you know, who is my consumer and what do they want? And One, in the case the consumer of, is... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The consumer is majority millennials. Or I was just going to say the consumer is coffee drinkers. Or coffee drinkers. Yeah. yeah. And what do they want? Uh, coffee. They want gourmet coffee. Yeah. For the most part. Okay. Wow. Um, so let's I'm glad I have sense. that nugget of information there. Absolutely. Yeah. As you would say. <laughs> so let's look at what else Nick Brown points out. So Nick pulls out these points, and I think they're excellent, and so they're worth discussing. Uh, these are uh, quotes from the stats of the report. Um, so daily consumption of espresso-based beverages has nearly tripled since 2008, according to the latest data from the 2016 NCDT. So why do you think that is? Wow. I'm going to say a hot word that is one of my favorite words, education. I think it's part of it. Education. I think it's part of it. I think another part of that is quality in general. What happened in 2008 that we can remember? Can you remember anything? J.A.B. purchased Pete's coffee. In 2008. In 2008. I'm so happy you have a, a, an incredible memory. <laughs> <laughs> so what if the the... Uh, the backing of Pete's Coffee by J.A.B. somehow could have had an effect on well, specialty coffee or coffee as uh, an industry, as a consumed industry, well, which yeah, in, in that case could push trends, Maybe. so to speak, of higher coffee or, in this case, espresso consumption. What it, yeah, what is causing this? That is a great question. I mean, further down the rabbit hole, you could wonder, well, Pete's is considered like the actual guy, Pete. Is yeah. considered the grandfather of specialty coffee. Ask anybody. Yeah. Who knows that? Because people who don't <laughs> will not know. <laughs> okay. The second thing. Between 2008 and 2016, so this is more like recent history. In the last eight years. Yeah. Past day consumption of gourmet coffee beverages soared from 13% to 36% among 18 to 24-year-olds from, uh, oh, and from 19% to 41%. Hold on. When it says past day consumption, does that mean that you're drinking like old coffee that's sat on your counter for a day? I don't think that's what it means. What does it mean? I'm pretty sure past, past day is referring to the, the time period at which you're drinking coffee. So like PM coffee, like I'm not drinking it in the morning. Oh, so you're talking about people who are, who are studying in coffee shops and hang out all night drinking coffee. I mean, that you certainly... Because when I see past day, I think like, yeah, I, you know, I left coffee in my Mr. Coffee machine and just, oh, just I'll pour a mug of it. I, I um... The next day. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, I think it has to do with like evening. But now you've got me like wondering what I what on earth do I think? Well, we can circle back around and mention sure. it on the Instagram because now you've royally confused me. But the point is, past day consum- consumption of gourmet coffee beverages soared from 13% to 36% among, among 18 to 24-year-olds and from 19 to 41% for those aged 25 to 39. So, so 18 to 39-year-olds so those are drinking more gourmet coffee. Right. And I... I, I, I'm going to make this argument out of thin air, but I think the ones that are 25 to 39 are the ones asking for the dark roast coffees that are, I mean, this number from 19% to 41%, that is wild. Yeah. It's doubling. Now, what what qualifies as gourmet coffee beverages? We don't know yet. I'm okay. gonna, we'll cover that later. Okay. Uh, for espresso-based beverages alone, there's another one. The jumps become 9% to 22% for the 18 to 24 age group and 8% to 29% for those aged 25 to 39. How, wow. do they, how do they get these facts? Uh, lots and lots and lots. I mean, do they have like every work. single cafe, like send them like a daily or like a yearly or an annual like drink? So their website kind of kind of tackles like all that. This is like statistical science. Um, they're taking tabs from all sorts of, I mean, I'm not a stats major. I didn't graduate with a stats degree, but they're, they're taking statistics. They're taking numbers. They're taking Well, I mean, obviously they've got to take numbers to get a stat. I mean, I'm on the same page there, but like, how long do you think it took for them to compile this page? A long time, I'm sure. We can look into that as well. Okay. So what can we grab out of these numbers? Well, what we've been saying this entire time that, you know, the coffee industry is only increasing in value and that coffee consumption is increasing in consumption yeah so i think a general statement could be well coffee's not going anywhere anytime soon but we have seen those scary headlines that state americans drinking less coffee yeah we actually covered that in an episode and it, and we mm-hmm. what we linked it it's to reduced waste i think it's is, a reduced waste issue right which it, you go, Less Jesse. coffee is going down the drain. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so you might say, Jesse, how ridiculous of you to say this is an issue. Well, it can be for the farmer. Um, Elaborate a little bit. Because if you're wasting less coffee, you're buying less coffee. And if you're buying less coffee... Think, Getting it just, less paid. Yeah, smaller farmers payday. aren't... Well, you know, the, it's, a, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. It's a supply chain. It's thing. a slide. A, spl- a lot of smokes and, and mirrors. There's so many. The pillar of confusion, as I like to say. <laughs> you know what I'm talking. No, nobody knows. Okay, but well, what can we grab off this? Like, what? Yeah. So th- this is kind of what I'm thinking. Espresso isn't going anywhere but up. This is, these are espresso uh, based stats. So think about it this way. I'm thinking. You know, back in the day when I was when I was at Starbucks. Yes, I was at Starbucks mm-hmm. at some point. I knew so many people that would come through that line and they would say, oh, no, don't, not espresso, way too strong for me. Give yeah. me a 16-ounce brew. and I Or they wouldn't say brew, they, whatever they would say. Me black coffee. V- Rhonda. Or who, what's that girl's coffee name? Or the, what is the coffee what? name? <laughs> Forget it. Rhonda. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> what you're ask, talking about. They'd ask for whatever is on drip. Somebody's okay. going to be laughing somewhere. Okay. Uh, they'd ask for something on drip, and I, I would think to myself, but no, the espresso is not as caffeinated. And so right. that's what leads me to think that part of this, a major part of this, is education. 
Gourmet coffee and education go so hand in hand. What are you calling gourmet coffee? When I hear the the term <laughs> gourmet coffee, I think of like Ghirardelli's uh, chocolate, like frappuccino mix and whipped cream. Okay, let's let's point out the biggest issue in the report that I noticed. Okay, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope somebody calls me on says Jesse, you're an idiot. Says you're right in the report. This is what gourmet craft coffee is. My question is what Wes has been asking throughout me talking, which is, what is considered gourmet coffee? Yeah. And if you consider espresso gourmet coffee, no matter what, this statistic is skewed quite a bit. Well, and the statistic is espresso-based, not espresso alone. I'm sorry. The, right. The, The statistic isn't skewed we have to be careful how we read the stats we can't apply this directly to the specialty coffee market but can we at all i you know that is a good question because that's why i asked where do they get these stats no they they develop the stats well where do they get these the numbers like are they getting it from all the pete's shops and are they getting it from keurig sales and are they getting it from uh you know dunkin donuts which i would consider all those you know on the gourmet side when i think of gourmet i think of you know pumpkin spice lattes uh you know iced lattes with whipped cream frappuccinos uh dunkin donuts type stuff those like chocolatey caramel swirly things that's gourmet coffee to me and if they're talking about espresso based gourmet in my mind automatically jumps to dunkin donuts Pete's, Keurig, uh, Starbucks, uh, you know, that more of like the gourmet and not really the specialty side. And I feel like it'd be harder to track the specialty side because of how many uh, small, you know, very small startup roasting companies and very small startup cafes that it'd be really hard to get the numbers in that type of environment at least from just me looking at this report speculating here sure i'm pulling you up an answer right now awesome i love answers good so the question remains what is considered gourmet coffee yes wes i want you to speculate as i'm getting the answer i think what i just speculated what well what if 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 you were a coffee researcher Trying to figure out what is gourmet coffee, what what do you think well, you would say? I'll tell you this. If I was a, a coffee researcher and I was trying to compile a list of coffee trends, I would be looking at a majority of what is consumed in the United States. And with that as kind of a factor that I'm looking at, I would consider a lot of people would be drinking coffee from places such as Pete's, sure, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, you know, the big cha- or Caribou, you know, everything that's pretty much acquired by JAB and Nestle, uh, you know, the big corporation coffee guys. And because that is what I think most of the nation is still drinking. Now, I know that we've discussed and we've seen the trend of specialty coffee increasing, and it, it is at a pretty drastic rate. And in fact, <laughs> I think we quoted somewhere that it is the uh, 
the fastest growing part of the industry. But that doesn't mean that it is the majority of the coffee industry. So when I think of gourmet, and if I were to acquire stats for the NCDT, I would be looking at more of your second wave gourmet shops. Well, I'm going to tell you some sad news. What's that? I cannot find how they get their information. Oh, no. I know it's survey-based, but I feel like if they were to tell us, you know, how exactly they survey, then they'd be giving us how they survey, and thus we could reproduce it and then have our own NCA and make money off of their business model. So I don't think the well, trade secret... What do you think is really paying for these reports? Big yeah. Big, big business. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's extremely valuable resources to have. Yeah, if you're pushing out um, a mass amount of coffee, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I know they've been the biggest deal since 1950, as far as coffee research goes. NCA has been around the block. More than a few times. Yeah. And, Super and legit. They have webinars and all sorts of stuff. I'm sure I'm sure you can get the information on how do they get this it's survey based and you know how how do we know? Well that's what would reliable? you define gourmet coffee as? I mean I've done some speculation. I mean I mean the words gourmet coffee do not sound like specialty coffee to me. I would have to agree with you on that point. I don't know anybody in specialty coffee calling it gourmet. Gourmet definitely sounds like craft coffee to me. Which can also fall under, you know, Starbucks, mm-hmm. um, caramel macchiato sort of thing. Like that Fru-fru. could be called a gourmet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Craft coffee in in my eyes. Um, but let's jump on to sort of the next thing because we can't necessarily identify. So what is gourmet coffee? That's why we don't know if this is talking about specialty coffee. It's not clear at all to me. Um, but... Moving from that, Nick also points out in his article um, that people are wanting a coffee that is more uh, sort of like an intimate experience. Uh, this uh, rings so much of that idea of that relationship coffee that we talked about many, many episodes ago. Sure. Where the farmer in El Salvador was basically saying, we need relationship coffee. Coffee where the consumer sees the farm as part of the experience of their coffee well not only that but the, the yeah the uh the green coffee buyers having a relationship having with a relationship that is a mutually yeah beneficial a friendship thing. friendship might be taking business a little too far for some people but i would argue yeah it's the, that sort of you would treat the farmer in that sort of way that that hey like i'm going to represent you extremely well um to the consumer for your benefit and for our benefit, because mm. we think that the whole chain, um, the more transparent it is, you know, the, the better uh, it is for the industry. And so, you know, the idea that that is a thing, though, is extremely encouraging to me. What's the thing? The thing that people are wanting coffees where they know the region and even beyond that, that they desire to... Uh, no more information. You know what kind of information I would like to see on the bags? I'd want to see at what price point the coffee was purchased for. 
No, you don't. That's the kind of transparency <laughs> I'm waiting for. I want to see it clearly written on the bag. I can't wait for him to get dirty mail for this <laughs> for that comment. What you know? What exactly the green coffee buyer paid per pound for that coffee? You want to see that? I really do want to see that. So you think you think roasters are going to put that on the bag? Because I think you can paint up a pretty picture of uh, farms in El Salvador and farms in Colombia, and you're buying. $2 a pound coffee. Okay. <laughs> but your story makes it seem like you're, you know, the bee's knees over here this, dropping like five, is... five, six bucks a pound. And like, who's to really know? I mean, you've got a pretty story. You've got names. You've got elevation. Like the packaging looks great. It makes a very cool Instagram post. But really, when it gets down to it, how much money of that went to the farmer? I have a story to tell. Let's hear so it. this is going to turn out this way. You know, I buy Topo Chico. If you don't know what Topo Chico is, you will love it, order it, no matter what you can do. Isn't that just fizzy water? D- no, it's much, much more romantic than that. Stop <laughs> stop saying that. <laughs> so, I remember I'd go to shop by shop and I would purchase Topo Chico. It, you know, it's like $2, $2.50. And then one day I walked into like a local grocery store and I'm like, you know, I'm going to buy some Topo Chico. And you know how everything at the grocery store is priced like more reasonably than say retail and i go to buy one and i think it was 56 cents wow and then i was like no no like i've I've been like overspending this entire time (laughs) now what was i thinking you know yeah it it is in a sense bubbly mineral water Mm -hmm. but it's so good that i i thought i was paying the proper price for it anyway (laughs) well you're listening to the coffee podcast where our focus is people and our language is coffee. Happy brewing.